0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest edition of the You Should Run podcast. My name is Tony Heil, Council Vice President in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, just outside Philadelphia. And if you've listened to the podcast in the past, you know I've talked to people from every state, from Alaska to Florida and Maine to Hawaii and all points in between, uh, from school board and city and borough council, like myself, to U.S. Senate, like my two Democratic senators now in Pennsylvania, John Fetterman and Bob Casey. Um, and I really like to talk to people who are in the state legislatures because that is where the power and the news and things really happen. Doesn't get nearly enough of that attention. And I really like to talk to, to states that don't get enough attention as well because I think that's where a lot of the issues percolate up, and maybe we need to pay more attention. So I'm excited to go back to my podcast again because I took a break for a few weeks for a number of personal reasons, and I'm also excited to go back to Montana with my new friend. Hopefully we'll be friends. His name is Paul Tuss, and he's a state representative in Montana. Paul, thanks for talking today.
1: Tony, thanks for having me. Uh, Before we got on here, we're just talking a little bit about how chilly it is here in Helena, Montana. I'm looking at my phone right now, and it's warmed up to two degrees above zero.
0: That that is. uh, It's always been like that there.
1: Well, it's not always like that. Uh, However, if if you come this time of year, bring your snowshoes or your skis. And, uh, if you're not into cold weather, you might want to wait until July or August.
0: Now, you know, I know we have a lot of snow places even here, like an hour or so north of Philadelphia. Is that a big touristy thing, even in Montana, winter weather, or is like, well, we can't even take advantage of like the touristy parts of winter?
1: Oh, no, no, Tony, we have a very robust uh, tourist season in the winter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, as, as you know, the book the bookends north and south uh, here in Montana are Yellowstone Park and Glacier National Park. Um, so, so those are important tourist attractions, regardless of what time of year it is. But also, we've got a number of, frankly, world-class ski resorts here, in addition to a number of kind of mom-and-pop ski, ski hills. And so uh, winter tourism, regardless of whether or not it's ice fishing or snowmobiling or, or skiing, uh, is pretty popular and brings in a lot of revenue to the state of Montana.
0: Now, I'll be honest, I'm happy to go snow tubing again, but I went skiing once, and the way I rolled down the hill was like a comic book character. I mean, a cartoon <laughs> character with the smoke and everything like that. People stopped to watch my clumsiness, so I'm not big into, into skiing again.
1: Tony, what, what they tell you in ski lessons when you're a kid is you got to remember pizza. You got to remember to point your your skis in a V like a pizza. That'll slow you down.
0: Well, it's kind of late. Thankfully, I didn't break anything aside from my own spirit. So,
1: um, well, Tony, you're always welcome back to Big Sky Country to try skis on again if you want to come back.
0: Now that brings us back to the actual things of Montana, and I would love to go there because the pictures are beautiful. I have followed other people from Montana, like Jessica Karjala, Barbara Bassett, and a few others. And, uh, you know, I really would love to go to Montana. Um, you've been there for over 50 years. You've spent your life in Montana. Um, tell me about the part of it where you are, because it's a huge state. It's not all the same, right? So tell me about where you're from.
1: No, Montana is not monolithic by any means. Um, it, traditionally, in Montana, we talk about Western Montana and Eastern Montana. Uh, as you as you know, uh, Montana just recently regained a congressional seat with a, with census and reapportionment. And Montana is the only state in the nation to ever actually lose a congressional seat and then regain a congressional seat. So we now have two um, congressional seats, and we're we're very pleased about that in terms of representation. Um, In Congress, but eastern Montana and western Montana, topographically uh, and and geographically couldn't be more different. Um, You know, the eastern part of the state, particularly the eastern third of Montana, is far more like the Dakotas and the Great Plains. And western Montana is very mountainous. Uh, The spine of the Rocky Mountain front goes right through western Montana. Uh, But I live in northern Montana. I actually represent my house district, is house district 28, and we're right up against Canada. I live in a town of 10,000 people. It's the eighth largest community in the state of Montana, um, and we're about 35 miles from both Saskatchewan and Alberta in Canada. And the, the the geography, the politics, and the economy of our area is very much dependent upon farming. Um, farming is kind of king there, mm-hmm. and so it's it's uh, if you think about farming in Montana, that's that's where I live. That's where I work.
0: And I, I do want to talk about that because I, I actually sent um, well, no, I sent to another person from Montana recently um, a book I was reading about agriculture in rural counties and losing population. Um, but before I get to that and the issues in Montana, you're a state representative. You haven't been a state representative your whole life. That would be weird. Um, no. But you have probably been a voter from early on, right? Like you, you took part in the process. But when did you decide to not just vote in elections, but that you were going to get involved in a serious way not even just running for office but when do you take that next level from in in civic participation
1: i've always been involved civically um and i've always been interested in politics Mm -hmm. um literally you know although i come from a very blue collar background i actually grew up in southwest montana in the anaconda area butte anaconda area uh, which, which is a lot different than the, the community that I currently serve in the Montana Legislature, but I've always, always been involved uh, politically. Uh, actually, uh, I worked I worked on campaigns. I worked at the Montana Legislature when I was younger. Uh, I've managed campaigns, and so it's it's really in my DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've never been on this side of the fence, which is really interesting. Actually, being the individual to push the red and green buttons when it comes mm-hmm. to legislation in the Montana Legislature, and so I, I just I just thought it was time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good time in my life to give back and I really I really do believe and it sounds it sounds like a cliche um, and jingoistic, but I really do believe that if, if you have something to contribute to your community, to your state, to society, and you think that you can make a difference, I think you need to pursue that. Mm-hmm. And there, there's frustrations that come along with that for sure, Tony, but overall, my experience as limited as it has been in the Montana legislature over the last 20 days has been positive.
0: Well, I mean, every experience matters, but like you said, you got involved earlier in your life. Um, what, what were the kind of things that made you say early on in, in life with getting involved with the legislature and volunteering and campaigns and such? Uh, what were the kind of issues then as opposed to now? Because I've been involved in politics in the early 2000s, and a lot of the issues are different now than they were 20 years ago. So what were are, are, are the issues the same things that motivated you then as now?
1: In large measure, they are. And, mm-hmm. and my involvement in politics and, and policy uh, and certainly the Montana legislature go back to literally the 1980s. Um, the, I, I caught the bug when I was uh, literally paging. I was a page in the Montana House of Representatives uh, way back uh, during the first Reagan administration in 1983. So that, that tells you a little bit of how old I am. Mm-hmm. But, but in terms of the issues, uh, you know, at, at base – the the issues for me haven't changed that much. They're they're the blue collar issues that that made my family um, su- successful. Uh, when when you had a, a dad that was a mechanic and a mom that was a stay at home mom, uh, they're they're the issues that that allowed our family to be successful uh, w- with one income earner in the family and five kids uh, to feed. Okay, so so they're economic issues. They're the meat and potato issues that are I think as relevant today as they were. Uh, 40 50 years ago when I decided to get involved and you know it's making sure that people can can, can make a living it's, mm-hmm. it's making sure that uh, college education is affordable for the sons and daughters of Montanans it's making sure that we have a clean and healthful environment so we can enjoy this beautiful area that that, that Montana is known for it's making sure that we have infrastructure that works it's making sure that we have public schools that are second to none. And so um, it's it's maybe not the sexy issues that some people want to talk about that brought me to the table in terms of politics, but I can tell you what I'm fighting for in the Montana legislature is important, and I think it's as important today as it was 40 years ago.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of those things are things that in- encouraged me 20 years ago or um, a lot of other people who've been in office or involved for a long time. Uh And I remember watching as a kid, my mom would watch politics, we talk about it, talk about bill clinton um George Bush the first uh and the, at the dinner table and some of the issues then uh but as i'm as you're talking, it reminds me of shows like Roseanne that were out in the eighties and nineties that were very much about like blue collar union type of democratic issues and And now, for better or worse, it seems like the national discussion about Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative have shifted away from some of that discussion. Do you think that not just not in Montana necessarily, but do you think that there's kind of like a shift away from some of those fundamentals of what makes the democratic party?
1: Oh, Tony, there's no, there's no question about that, but, but, but let's, uh, uh, let's, let's make sure that we get that back. Mm. I I don't think that it's, I I don't think that it's too far gone that we can't uh, capture civility. In fact, I, I have to tell you, uh, 15 minutes ago, I was having a conversation with one of my, uh, colleague legislators, um, who is far to the right of me and we're working on healthcare legislation together. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he is a Trump loyalist. Um, but the truth is, is that this is a good man and, and he wants to do good by his constituents in Montana. And so we're working on legislation that may or may not pass. But the truth is, is that unless you make that initial gesture, um, and in states like Montana, if you're a Democrat, you have to do that because we're in the minority here. And so the truth is, is that bipartisanship isn't just a nice soundbite in a place like Montana. You have to practice bipartisanship every single day to get legislation passed if you're a Democrat.
0: And, you know, you also talked about how you move from one part of Montana to the other. And given the, the distance, physical distance you had to move, you could have moved to another state where – being a Democrat, you could have worked on those issues and maybe had an easier time of not being in the legislature, but passing certain things. You know, if you look at right now in this year's legislatures, uh, Minnesota, Michigan, now they have these, uh, uh, they have the legislatures and the governors they are passing lots of stuff that I'm sure you're jealous of watching. Um, what What keeps you motivated to stay and fight for Montana as opposed to saying, you know what? it's too hard of a road to a hill to climb what, what keeps you going to be a state legislature in that environment
1: well well first of all let me say montana is worth fighting for mm-hmm. um, i I'm, I'm a native montana and i grew up here my family goes back multiple generations it's a wonderful state and everything about montana is great and i think it's worth fighting for so being in the arena in and of itself is is important uh, but I do want to go back to the earlier comment about about working together. For the first time in modern history, the Republican Party here in the Montana legislature uh, has a supermajority, which allows them to put constitutional initiatives on the ballot mm-hmm. for, the next, for the next election. And, and we, we, need, we need to work with them to make sure that the worst of the worst doesn't happen. And also, there's a moderate wing of the Republican Party. In fact, here in Montana, it's called the Solutions Caucus. And they're the more moderate wing of the Republican Party. And the truth is, is that the working majority in the Montana legislature consists of the Democratic caucus and the Solutions Caucus, Mm -hmm. those moderate Republicans who they want to make the trains run on time. They want to fix the potholes. They want to make sure that our kids have good public schools to go to. They want to make sure that we have public access to public lands just like we do. So so again, working across the aisle is an imperative in a place like Montana.
0: You know, I have heard that on my podcast or from watching things as happening, like you just said, in Montana, Uh, Alaska is a huge example of it right now, Um, Ohio, a number of states where it seems like there's three parties. There's the Democratic Party, whether it's a majority or a minority, and then there is the hardcore Trump part of the Republican Party and the moderate party. Has that been going on for a while now that Trump's been in power or been an influence for the last almost decade? So has that been growing at that rift? Yeah, I don't
1: know if the rift has been growing, but that coalition has been has has happened here in Montana, has existed here in Montana. It predates Trump being mm-hmm. president and Trump being involved in the political arena as the Republican party in general got more uh, right-wing, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are those people that simply couldn't follow that direction and they want a government to work. And so this interesting coalition of Democrats and moderate Republicans, um, we're the ones that are getting things done in rural States like Montana. I consider myself a dirt road Democrat mm-hmm. and, and we're getting things done because we don't have a lot of people in our caucus to get things done, but because we necessarily have to reach across the aisle to look for partners on the Republican side.
0: Yeah, I, see that in so many states right now and one thing i've heard from a number of people is part of that could be the influence of media both in terms of the national media cable news facebook so many people even in my area getting their news just from facebook groups versus the lack of local papers so many local papers especially in smaller communities are going out of business or have one person is that something that's making an impact in montana in your area
1: Oh, it is. There, there's no question. Uh, Montana is not immune to what's happening with um, media nationally, and I would argue internationally. Mm-hmm. I have to give a shout out to my local newspaper, the Haver Daily News, still in existence, still cr- cranking out a paper every day and has been for the last 120 years. And and they're following policy and politics in the Montana legislature as well. But in general, you, ju- you just don't have... Uh, uh, you know, the inquiries from from newspapers and from the media as you did previously. And corporate America has gotten a hold of media. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good trend, but Montana's not immune from it.
0: Yeah, I have heard some from some rather liberal legislators across the country who say that people are bringing up these so-called liberal topics against them in the legislature. And they're like, I've never heard of this. I don't know what you're talking about just because they're getting it from you know, cable news, um, fringe networks, even. They're like, I've never heard people talk about this at all. And so they don't even know how to respond.
1: Well, we see that every single day, you Mm -hmm. know, in, in the legislature. You know, if I look at my email, my legislative email account, at the number of people that are encouraging me to vote one way or the other, there's a whole lot of people that are not in my district. And there's a whole lot of people in some cases that aren't even in Montana that are trying to influence my vote and where did that come from? You know, where where mm-hmm. was influencing these people to get a hold of a legislator from northern Montana to vote yes or no on a particular item? And so, uh, you know, the, the truth is, is that there are those issues out there that people want want me to take a position on. And the truth is, I knocked on thousands of doors in, in my election. And by the way, I'm, I'm one of only two Democrats to flip a seat here in Montana from red to blue this mm-hmm. past election. And what I take to heart are the, are, are the issues that people talk to me about on, on their doorsteps and in their garages and, and on, on their front steps. And a lot of the issues that are coming to us via social media or, or through email from people outside my area, they're not issues to the people of House District 28 in Northern Montana.
0: Yeah. And I know you're not really as active on the social media platforms as some other people are, but... You know, one thing that seems to come up a lot—maybe you see this with your fellow legislators from the left or right—is anything, anytime, anything big happens in the country, you kind of have to have an opinion. And so, someone can say, "Oh, do you hear what happened with Frank Cactus yesterday?" And like, is this good or bad? Is that a shooting? Is it a church? Like, it's hard to be on top of everything when everything is an issue.
1: No, it sure is. I was just having a conversation with some of the leadership in my party here this morning relative to the the national sales tax proposal that's right. been apparently forwarded at the national level by by Republicans. As, as you may know, Tony, Montana mm-hmm. is one of only four or five or six states in the nation that we don't have a general sales tax here. Uh, so sales tax is a four-letter word in Montana. And uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to make some political hay of this, but I can guarantee that Montanas don't want a national sales tax.
0: I don't know anyone that does, Um, but that does bring back to Montana issues. And I really want to talk to you and others from Montana in general about some of the rural issues, because I've been reading about the aging of rural communities, um, what that does to a tax base and what that does to services like education, libraries, et cetera. What are you seeing about the impacts? Because like you said, you're growing in population in Montana to get another um, congressional district. What, what, but what's happening in terms of the rural communities that that you and others are serving well
1: we're aging there's no question about it and and you're absolutely 100 percent correct my my area a more rural area of, of montana in in the north we're not necessarily growing at the pace that mm-hmm. other places in montana particularly in western montana are growing and our our uh, our, our population is aging So as a policymaker, what I have to be far more aware of than I would have been 20 or 30 years ago are what are the fundamental services that we need to provide as a state to our citizens that are going to be consistent with an aging population and not just older folks, but people are living longer, Mm -hmm. right? There are more 100-year-olds all over the world, right? And so as people age, we need to make sure that our tax base uh, stays up with them. We need to make sure the services that we provide at the state level uh, keep up with their needs, and, and we can't shy away from that at all. Particularly in a place like where I live, uh, where it's, it's pretty acute. We have an aging population,
0: and so what happens with the service? Because I don't know about the local tax structure and how. Like, I live in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, and so we we collect taxes as Bridgeport. The county collects tax. Yeah, everyone collects taxes, right, um, to provide different levels of services. But if you have a much older population that isn't working like a suburban or urban population. So they can't bring in a hospital. They can't bring in more police, et cetera. What kind of things are happening in those communities that you as a legislator can help address?
1: Well, we, we we're in a very fortunate uh, situation here in Montana to have a very significant budget surplus mm-hmm. right now. And I, and I understand that as we look at this biennium, that's not necessarily going to be a, Uh, the picture in future bienniums here in Montana, Um, but fundamentally as a Democrat and as somebody that's interested in taking care of people, we need to be wise in how we spend those dollars. And and currently, uh, there's a genuine and robust conversation with our Republican governor and the Republican majority in the legislature about what we're doing with that surplus, And um, as you can expect, um, our governor wants to, unfortunately, uh, give those with means. He wants to give away a large chunk of that particular surplus uh, to folks that are already doing pretty darn good right now. Mm -hmm. And so we have different priorities as Democrats. We think that we need to be investing in education. We think that we need to be investing in our nursing homes. You know, we've had over the course of the last about year, year and a half, We've had a dozen nursing homes closed. We've had 850 families that have had to move grandma and a loved Mm -hmm. one from a nursing home in a rural community uh, to, to in some cases, uh, a nursing home in an urban community that's 100 miles away. And that just doesn't work. That's not how we should be taking care of people. So the bottom line and the answer to your question is we need to be careful with these monies. We need to be good stewards of these monies. But because we have this one-time opportunity, we need to invest in what's happening right now on Main Street throughout Montana.
0: Yeah, that's. I'm really glad you brought up that stat because I think of just people from one county over who have to go 10 miles to see a loved one or 20 miles to see a loved one. When you're just a little bit further away – you lose that family connection because it's just very inconvenient, unfortunately, to see a grandfather or father or mother in a nursing home. Uh, so, and like you said, losing the workers in those places. My wife works in HR for a long-term care facility. She says it's really hard to retain and recruit um, good workers. What can you do? You think in Montana to bring in young workers all across the state?
1: Well, first of all, we need to keep our nursing homes open. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we we have we have a you know a workforce shortage, just like everybody does, and so we need to come up with real strategies in terms of workforce shortage issues. But but first and foremost, we need we need to reopen these 12 nursing homes, these long-term care facilities. I have a dear friend of mine who's a very conservative uh, Republican county commissioner um, on the Highline in northern Montana, and they had to move his 90-year-old mother. 110 miles away to my community, the community that I live in in Haver, and typically he would be first in line to say that we should be giving you know the surplus back. He's first in line now saying, you know what, we need to invest in our healthcare infrastructure because if we're going to be if if we're going to be taking care of our older citizens the way that we should be, um, then we need to put those dollars where they're going to do the most good, and that's reopening our nursing homes. Mm-hmm. No question about it.
0: Yeah, well, one of the ways you can get good people to do that is to run for office. And so, in a state like Montana or uh, Wyoming, Idaho, Ohio, even, um, it might seem daunting to a lot of people who may be interested, like you, in um, public service. But maybe say, "Oh, it's too much," especially in a state like this. If someone was in Montana or another rural-like state, what would you do to encourage? What would you say to encourage them as their first step to try and get involved?
1: Well, first of all, don't shy away from public service. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, public service is a public trust, and and I am I am honored every single day. I get to go into what I believe is the most beautiful building in 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 the world. Mm -hmm. The Montana Capitol is just gorgeous. That's my office, And, and and I get to work with people. And sometimes I don't agree with them, but I get to work with people to try to find. Practical solutions to difficult problems. So, number one, don't shy away from public service. It's an honor to be a public servant. Even though there are times when I'm hitting my head against a brick wall, it's still important to do. But, but secondly, and on a more practical note, get get involved in your local community. Get involved in your local party. Get involved in your central committee. Volunteer on campaigns. Come to the legislature and testify on an important issue that you think is really important. See how the process works. Spend a couple days in the legislature, sit in on a committee meeting, uh, log in through Zoom to, to one of our committee meetings, maybe one of our more contentious committee meetings, to really get a flavor of, of what this is all about, and, and start talking to your neighbors. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I literally hit thousands of doors in my, in my campaign. And this was a red district. This was a red district that, that was uh, represented by a Republican member of the Montana House. And through that, I, I learned exactly what my, what my community is made of and the issues that matter to the people that I represent now in the Montana House. Get involved in your local community.
0: Yeah, I think that the barrier for entry for getting involved, uh, it seems intimidating when you look and see how much money goes into a U.S. Senate race or for president, but really for just getting involved in politics, the barrier for entry is extremely low compared to so many other things in this world.
1: No, it really is. It really is. Go to a central committee meeting, volunteer for a committee, uh, agree to be on a calling tree to your local legislator when important issues come up, go door-to-door for your local city council or, or uh, school board member, and get involved. That's the best way to test democracy at the grassroots level.
0: And I, like I said, I've talked to a couple people from Montana, and I've also looked at so-called red states and blue states in terms of their democratic parties. And I've talked to some people from very blue states who are state legislators or in other offices. And they're kind of meh or about how their party is. They're like, they feel like they take it for granted or yeah, we have a lot of numbers. We're in the majority, but we can't do nearly as much as we'd like to do. Um, then you see things like Michigan, which hasn't had a majority. So they're using it as much as possible. But where do you think the Montana democratic party stands when, in terms of unity and recruiting people? Cause I think a lot of red state democratic parties, have cooler Democratic parties than a lot of blue state parties do.
1: Yeah, we're cool. If, if nothing else, we're cool. Um, no, our, our party invests significantly um, in the grassroots infrastructure, the coordinated campaign. Um, we're, we're very efficient with our dollars. Uh, as a minority party in a red state, we have to be. And, and we're also very fortunate uh, to have our senior United States senator, John Tester, Senator Tester, uh, who used to be my state senator. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in northern Montana, and also my butcher back in the day. Um, but but he uh, will be up for re-election in two years, and we're obviously hopeful that he makes the decision to run for re-election. But with that will will come a, a heightened importance to Montana on the national scene. So there will be resources certainly in Montana in the next campaign cycle that perhaps weren't there previously. But but having said all of that, the truth is, is that as a candidate, at the end of the day, it's about it, it's about me putting in the hard work, going door to door, talking to my neighbors, talking to my friends, raising the money, putting on a good campaign. So if you're going to get involved in the political arena, particularly on the electoral side of things, you know that you got to put in the hard work yourself, regardless of the party apparatus that is there for you.
0: Yeah. From my experience talking to people on this podcast, um, I'd say like um, and, and also following people, Montana, Missouri. Uh, Oklahoma, all have some really cool Democrats in office, very diverse candidates, too. And I think a lot of people from New York, Philadelphia, where I am, and they might not recognize and appreciate the diversity of candidates that Democrats have in places like that. Um, But to become a candidate, they got to start for somewhere. So if they're interested in following you, Paul, if they want to like, say, hey, I want to know where to go, what's the best way they can reach out to you and learn more?
1: Oh, absolutely. I've got a Facebook page, uh, Paul Tuss for House, and um, it, it's my campaign Facebook page that is yet to be converted to my representative Facebook page. But, but please follow me on Facebook, and you'll get some flavor of not just Montana politics. You'll get a little bit of flavor about me and my priorities. And I look forward to uh, having a larger following uh, beyond the borders of Montana.
0: And speaking of flavor, with all the butchering that you're getting done, apparently, maybe you, maybe there's some um, food flavoring you can get in there as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. I would uh, hope so.
0: No, I for, I did have one other thing that I had to ask you specifically, because I was looking you up, and you're very involved in the art scene, right, in Montana? Oh, what, what is I, that I, like, and what, what's your involvement been before I lose you here?
1: You know, it's, it's funny. I, I have yet to appear in a play. But my entire family uh are, are, has been very much involved in in plays we have a very active arts community in northern montana Uh, I am the president of the Montana Actors Theater, uh, which which is a resident acting company in in Havre, Montana, associated with Montana State University Northern. And like I said, my my, my wife, my my son, my daughter have all been on stage. I happen to be behind the scenes uh, as president of the board of directors. Um, I think arts is incredibly important for every community. It's especially important in rural America.
0: Well, you're you perform every day, I'm sure, one way or another in front of more people than a lot of those actors do in the Motel Legislature. And I appreciate you. Um, one last question, Paul, before we leave. Um, it's a podcast is called You Should Run in, in the next two years between for, between now and 2024. What's the number one reason you think people should be running for office?
1: It, it, it's it's about democracy I mean democracy is on the ballot all you have to do is to read a newspaper or, or to go to a blog site or or uh, you know pick up any modern uh, current uh public affairs publication, and you'll you'll understand how important it is for individual citizens to be involved in democracy. And if that involves running and you've got you've got that uh, spirit to do it, get involved in the arena. It's important. It's important for democracy.
0: Well, I agree. It's very important. That's why I started this. That's why you did it. Uh, so Paul Tuss, everybody, State Representative Montana, please look him up, follow him on Facebook. And maybe if you're listening, you will decide to run for office too. Thanks so much, Paul. I appreciate your time.
1: Tony, thank you for the time today. Have a great day.